2: Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to steal a moment for yourself before the week ahead. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
3: The Large Nerdron Collider Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio.
4: Hey everybody, welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider Podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Caston, and with me, as always, is the super fragilistic, expialidocious Jonathan Strickland.
3: What would you do if I sang out a tune? Don't answer that. That's not your question. Hi, Ariel.
4: Oh, that would be an easy one. <laughs> um, hey, <Jonathan. laughs> you Just stand
3: up and walk out on me. But I have a different question for you. All right, Ariel. You got a new career coming up. All right. And that career is to be the sidekick to an established superhero. Which right. superhero do you pick?
4: To be a sidekick of? Yeah. I mean, that's every person's dream is to be a sidekick, isn't it?
3: Look, you got to start somewhere. Not all of us uh, can be. Not all of us can have our our parents uh, killed in a dark alley after an opera and have access to billions of dollars, okay? We got to work our way up. Fair
4: enough. I think... But I would be, I didn't stall long enough for this one. Um, I did not share this
3: with her beforehand.
4: (laughs) I'm trying to think, so here's the thing, is like, I want to say Hulk, because Hulk is my favorite hero, and I think it would be cool, except for I don't want to get on his bad side, right? So I'm trying to think of what it would be. Star Lord, because then even as a sidekick, you're not really a sidekick; you're a part of the team. Plus, he seems like a lot of th- fun. Because I was like, well, maybe Thor. Uh, mm, yeah, I think it would have to be Star Lord. Okay, that's cool. So you yeah. went,
3: you went Marvel. I'm gonna surprise you because I went oh. DC.
4: Oh, who who would you sidekick for?
3: I because decide- I thought
4: for sure you'd say Squirrel Girl.
3: I decided, no, 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 Squirrel Girl doesn't need a sidekick. She's undefeatable. Um, I, I would, uh, I would pick a truly iconic DC character. One that I think, uh, as far as I know, has never had a sidekick. So that, that knocks out like Batman and Superman right away. Right. Plastic man. You know what? I thought about plastic man. I really did, but he (laughs) has like a criminal past. So I feel a little weird about that one. So, uh, I decided to go with arm fall off boy because, Someone needs to pick up his limbs.
4: S- but like, so wasn't he created just for the Suicide Squad? No,
3: that was not Arm Fall Off Boy. That was Although the detachable te- kid. Yeah, the detachable kid, which was essentially based off Arm Fall Off Boy. But no, Arm Falloff Boy, uh, uh, technically in the reboot, I think they call him something else. I can't remember what the name is. But yeah, Arm Falloff Boy, because like I said, it's it, I think of it I don't know if you've ever seen any burlesque aerial, but they have these stage kittens, and it's the stage kitten's job to go in after an act and just pick up all the scraps of costume that have been thrown (laughs) everywhere. I'm essentially arm fall off boy stage kitten.
4: Okay, I mean it's a little bit more gruesome, but.
3: There's it, no blood. I mean he doesn't it's not like he pulls up his arm and there's like sinew and blood and bone or anything.
4: I mean, I don't know that. I'm not very familiar with Armfall of Boy. If I had to pick a DC character, it would be Aquaman because I really like snorkeling and scuba diving. <laughs> and I'm a water baby. Like but I felt like that would be like the easy answer. There's, so. the,
3: there's also the great song Aquaman's Lament, where Aquaman is singing to Vicky Vale and saying that he's a better superhero mm-hmm. than Batman, which is a great song and everyone should listen to it. Um, all right. <laughs> well, now that we got that out of the way, let's uh let's segue into some of our news items. And the first one is about a virtual fan event, uh, DC Fandome. That's uh mm-hmm. D-O-M-E. They had one last year and they're having another one this year on October 16th. It is free, so you don't have to register and pay or anything. You can register so that you can watch it and everything. But um, yeah, they're going to show off some trailers, some sneak peeks, of different stuff, things that involve not just the films, but also animation, TV, uh, uh, comic books. So you're going to get a mm-hmm. lot of uh, DC stuff at that event. And I think it's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, me too. So I, I it's good to hear you say that it's pretty cool because I know that you've been a little bit grumpy about the DCEU, as have I, in all fairness. Uh, but they are, you know, they're, they're going to talk about some video games I've really enjoyed DC video games like Injustice I quite enjoy picking up on a random day. Um, I'm really excited for the return of Doom Patrol and Young Justice and uh also for the new the new series Naomi that they're coming out with. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's kind of gonna just be a new thing and I I look I have enjoyed DC's television for the most part, so I look forward to Seeing kind of a new property. Plus, I'm really enjoying Sweet Tooth. I'm watching through it. Um, oh, neat! I quite enjoy that.
3: You know, and yeah, and they're they're getting ready to say goodbye to Supergirl. That's going into mm. its final season. Um, there's also a lot of anticipation for another trailer for the Batman. They showed off a trailer for the Batman at the last Fandom, and back then, the plan was still to have that film come out this year. Uh, that obviously isn't going to happen. It's now going to at least. It's scheduled to release in early March of next year, uh, which makes me wonder if the new trailer is going to end with question mark zero question mark question mark, because at the end of the last one, because the Riddler's in it, they replaced the twos in 2021 with question marks. So now we just get extra question mark.
4: I mean, I feel like they need to do that, and then they need to replace the zero with a question mark, and then they need to fill the screen with question marks until it explodes into like this question mark frenzy, which feels more jokery than riddlery. But
3: I, I, um, I also think I feel
4: like that's it's the right vibe.
3: And and not only that, Ariel, you've already solved another problem. If they replace all the numbers with question marks, it could come out whenever.
4: I mean. To be fair, if they leave the zero in, it still has, what, uh, I can't do <laughs> math, 70, 79 more years that it can come out in?
3: Not only that, then you can wait another millennia and then start over <laughs> again, because it could be the first numbers of three, not a two, because uh, it's a question mark. I mean, it 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 resembles a two, but it doesn't oh. have to be a two. <laughs> All those all
4: those young girls in three thousand and twenty two who fall in love with Robert Pattinson just to find out that he's long gone unless he's bionic by that time.
3: I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll have become one with the Matrix. But wait, that's a spoiler alert. That's a later story. Yeah. We're Um, not there yet. Yeah. Anyway, we thought that this was cool that it's going to be a virtual event. I mean, obviously. There's a a lot of people are missing the real events here in Atlanta, actually, this Mm -hmm. this coming weekend, uh, Dragon Con is going to take place in person. They are requiring that all attendees either be vaccinated or provide proof of a negative COVID test within a certain number of days, 72 hours, 72 hours. Um, Yeah.
4: Which with, with current weights is actually pretty in in Atlanta, pretty difficult to get. I drove past a testing center the other day and there was a, like a line, a drive-through testing center. There's a line, like a half a mile long waiting to get in.
3: Well, and Georgia is a state where there's still, sadly, a large number of COVID cases and uh, a lagging percentage of the population getting vaccinated. It has improved over yes. time, but no thanks to I won't go there. This episode's yeah, not see. about that, but I will, yeah. if you want to hear me rant about it, just hit me up sometime and I will I will spend hours <laughs> complaining about leadership <laughs> in Georgia. But uh, we just want to say to all of those going out to Dragon Con, we hope you have an amazing con. Be safe. Take care of yourself. Wash Wait. your hands all the time. I mean, and you should do that mask. anyway. Wear your mask. Definitely wear your mask and wash your hands. That should happen anyway, because Con Crud is for reals, y'all.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Like years when there's not COVID, a large number of the population go home feeling sick. Uh, we have a mutual friend who got like strep M mono in one weekend from the Yikes. convention. Just and and I don't think they were doing anything particularly risky to do it, other than just being at the convention. So yeah, be safe. Also, you know, at, at Dragon Con and if there's another convention you're going to, be nice to the staff. They're volunteers, and if they're asking you to do something, don't give them a hard time. We've we've heard about people doing that at Disney, and yeah, just be. Be nice.
3: Yeah. We're just I mean,
4: hoping, trying to have make sure everybody has a good and safe time.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like any request is a personal affront to any of the attendees. It's literally to make sure that everyone is safe and has a good time. And But hey,
4: I'm sure if any of our listeners are planning to go to Dragon Con, that they're already going to be super cool to all the volunteers and do everything they're asking. I mean, they wouldn't be listening awesome. to
3: us otherwise, right? Because they would yeah, find exactly. us insufferable. Uh, someone who <laughs> the, the, uh, leader of the 10 rings finds insufferable is Trevor. Nice. Thank you. Um, so yeah, you might remember that in Iron Man two, they introduced the Mandarin. Um, and, uh, wait, no, that was Iron Man three. Iron Man three. They introduced Man the Mandarin. Three. Iron Man two was a uh, whiplash. And uh,
4: Iron Man 2, I fell asleep during in the movie theater. I
3: mean, I kind of fell asleep during Iron Man 3. Um, (laughs) The first Iron Man is still my favorite of the three. (laughs) But the uh, but Ben Kingsley played the character who was posing as the Mandarin, a a traditional Iron Man villain. Uh, And everyone was wondering how Disney was going to handle it, because it's a character who in the comics has like really kind of racist overtones as far as stereotypes go. So they ended up creating this this character who's actually an actor playing the part of the Mandarin. He's been hired to take on that part. Well, they shot a one-shot video years and years and years ago that was part of the Thor The Dark World Blu-ray release um, mm-hmm. that gave some more information about the character of the actor who's this, you know, oblivious idiot. Uh, and linking him to the, the real Mandarin. And, uh, if you didn't get that Blu-ray, you probably haven't seen the video. I hadn't seen it. I had heard of it, but I'd never seen it. But now it's on Disney Plus, which is great because it does give you a little bit of linking tissue between Iron Man 3 and the upcoming Shang-Chi.
4: Yes. Yes. Because Tony Leung is the Mandarin. I actually missed the Disney one-shots. Like, I didn't catch this one because I didn't buy the. Maybe that was their effort to try to get people to buy Thor: The Dark World, um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> which is which is the Iron Man two of the Thor series.
4: <laughs> yeah, but I ab. Well, yeah, I didn't fall asleep during that one. Maybe that's because Christopher Eccleston was in it, and I really like him, mm-hmm. or because. I don't know. Thor's a little bit more fantastical, so I can forgive more. But um, I, I really liked the one shots they did between the movies, even like tying in the Hulk movie to the MCU before we knew what the MCU was. Um, so I'm glad to have a chance to see this.
3: Yeah, it was fun. I went ahead and watched it before we did our our show. So I, because it was like I've got time, I can watch it. It's 14 minutes long. And uh, definitely stay through the credits because there are elements in the credits within the credits that are important uh, or at least entertaining. If not important, they are entertaining. And Mm -hmm. it is cool to see that Disney was thinking, oh, we should go ahead and release this because it does tie into this upcoming release. And uh, I remain super excited about Shang-Chi, even though I suspect I will be waiting the 45 days for it to come to Disney plus because I am not quite ready to go back to the theaters yet. Same, same,
4: but I want it to do really well at the same time. I'm so torn. Also, I have a little bit of geek shame because you kept saying Shang-Chi and I thought for sure it was Shang-Chi. And then I watched a trailer on television and they said Shang-Chi and I'm like, Oh, I'm wrong. All the shame upon me and my house. Sorry,
3: mom. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's one. The, the reason why I know full disclosure is because uh, my, my, uh, partner used to go to school with, uh, uh, some, uh, uh, people from, um, from China. And that's where I learned that the right pronunciation was that ah sound, not an a a sound. So like, uh, she had mm-hmm. a, 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 colleague named Yong, not Yang. It's spelled Y-A-N-G, uh, but Yong. And, um, not only that, but her last name Rhymed with that. I won't go into everything because I want to don't want (laughs) to talk about people without their permission, but, but yeah, you could just imagine like the eye rolling you would have to get used to after hearing your name butchered over and over. So it's just one of those things that I tried to, I tried to avoid. I fall into the trap all the time. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, we only have a little bit of time for this last segment. So let's just cover this super quick. Uh, matrix four. It, they, they released some footage that, Ariel and I really had trouble finding in a way that wasn't yes. packaged with like jerk wads like us talking over it.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they, they released a little bit of footage at CinemaCon in Las Vegas, uh, I think last week.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And, um, you know, it, we know from that footage because everybody likes to describe what happened, even though I can't find it, that uh, Keanu Reeves will be, At least part of the time in his Matrix persona or his pre-Matrix persona and that Neil Patrick Harris is playing a therapist there. I want to see it automatically because of that.
3: Yeah. If there's a musical (laughs) number in Matrix 4, then I will forgive Matrix 2.
4: I mean, they do show they show uh, Neo or. Anderson. Whatever his name is. Mr. Anderson. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Yeah, I should have known that. Uh, looking at a mirror, taking pills while they play Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit. So at least
3: which is in subtle. The, from a material,
4: <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> like,
3: it's like when when uh, when Breaking Bad finally played Crystal Blue Persuasion and I'm like, oh, come uh-huh. on. This is a little on the nose. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Like, so, I, I think I you know what? As I've been reading about this, it. Has me curious because, okay, full disclosure, I never saw the third film. I saw the second movie and I hated it so much. I just had no desire to see how the story ended because I just felt like the first film was its own encapsulated thing and that's all mm-hmm. I needed, right? Because the other, the, yeah. the second one went on a pathway where I was like, I don't like this. Um, so I never watched the third one. But I understand that certain things happen in the third one, which really make me wonder how the heck the things that are happening in the description of the fourth one happen.
4: (laughs) Yes, no, I I agree. So I did watch all three, all and the animatrix, which I did. I did enjoy the animatrix, Um, but they all blended together after the first one. So the second and the third one, I'd I'd have a hard time telling you specifically the plots of each. But I agree. I'm my curiosity is piqued. And it's been long enough that I will probably give this fourth one a go and see what they do with it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am willing to give it a shot. I mean, I can hold a grudge for a very long time as will (laughs) likely become evident the longer this episode goes spoiler alert. But, um, but in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about some things that Disney's doing that, um, We have some thoughts about, but before we get into our fighty, fighty mode, let's take this quick break.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
5: Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200k for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it.
1: Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
3: all right we're back and ariel i want to apologize to you first because i said mm-hmm. we get into a fighty fighty mode that's putting my feelings that's projecting my feelings on you and that's not fair so i apologize for that
4: You know what? It's totally fine. I just got excited because my bro went, let's fight. So
3: like, (laughs) I'm
4: I'm all ready. Okay,
3: you got to know, guys. (laughs) Folks, I shouldn't use guys. I do it all the time. Folks, you should know when Ariel said that, she actually made the fists up rocking back and forth in the street fighter get ready pose, which I think is awesome. Um, One of these
4: days we're going to record video because there's all kinds of
3: Gestures and body gestures language and, and, and yeah, stuff. No, we yeah. have our cameras on, but we don't record the video part. But let's talk about some of the stuff we want to cover. One of the things we want to cover, there's there's a lot because Disney has recently made some announcements and collectively they're starting to really rub a lot of fans the wrong way. And by Disney, I'm talking specifically about the parks here. And really mm-hmm. I'm talking about Disney World and Disneyland. So One thing that we know, all right, let's, let's, I guess we can hit the genie stuff first. Is that Disney's got an app coming out called Disney genie. It's actually more like a suite of features that are going to be lumped in with the existing Disney apps. And this one is just supposed to help you plan stuff, right? Like it gives you ideas of what wait times are for different attractions, that kind of thing.
4: Well, and it it also is supposed to, you're supposed to be able to tell it what you like in your park experience, and then it can suggest timing. it can suggest uh, rides, shows, things like anything that food service, I don't even know. Um, but just basically, it can help uh, tailor your park experience so you're cutting out all the stuff you're not interested in. at face value, it seems like a really good idea and, and that
3: and that one's free. That part's free, which I think is great. Actually, I really like that. Like if you have mm-hmm. the if you have a smartphone and if you download the app, the basic version of Disney genie, is free to use. Mm-hmm. However, then we get to the add-ons. Add-on number one is Disney Genie Plus, And this is where uh, you have the replacement for what was the FastPass system. And even then, there's some major differences. Uh, before COVID and before the shutdown of the parks, it was pretty much standard for you to go into Disney system, uh, sometimes up to, I think... It was at least 60 days. It might have been more than that. I think 60 days for fast passes if you were staying on property and you could reserve up to three fast passes per day uh, ahead of time. And you would just select the time or whatever times you wanted as much as you could. I mean, if the fast passes were all gone, you were kind of stuck and Mm -hmm. you would build out your day that way. Then the COVID happens, parks shut down. When the parks reopened, Fastpass was no longer a thing. For one thing, it wasn't really necessary. They were operating the parks under really restricted attendance. So there wasn't mm-hmm. nearly as many people in the parks. But now they're bringing back a version similar to Fastpass, similar to the first incarnation of Fastpass, where you can only have one at a time, which I don't think is a bad thing. No, you can you can only hold one at a time. Once you redeem it, you can immediately make your next Fastpass reservation based upon the I,
4: I remember back in my day when you had to walk up to a kiosk and get a little printed fast pass. Yeah. And
3: you could only have one. And yeah. And eventually they had it where different rides had different kind of levels of importance where you could hold one really like choice ride, like space mountain. Mm-hmm. And then you could hold one that was, you know, good, but not like not typically as busy as that one. And then eventually it got to the three. Well, now we're back down to one that part's not bad, but you're going to have to pay for it. you got to pay, if it's Disney World, $15 per person per day to have mm-hmm. this feature. At Disneyland, it's $20 per person per day.
4: And then they're also expecting that for certain premium rides, there'll be an upcharge for that ride. So if you're paying $15 per person per day, you can get most of the rides, but maybe not, you know, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. That would be an extra 5 So I I have such mixed feelings about this because on the one hand, I've heard so many people say that last past or fast pass is the reason that lines are so long for everybody
3: else. Right. Because Um, because people are skipping ahead, which means that anyone who's in the regular standby line, they mm -hmm. have to wait even longer before their turn because other people are effectively skipping ahead of the line.
4: Yeah. And, you know, so on on the one hand, if that's the case and they limit it and it reduces the number of people who do that, maybe lines will get better anyhow. I don't know. We'd have to see. The second thing is like, I love Disney, but my husband doesn't. Uh, And part of it is because he just hates waiting in lines, especially in summer heat. And so in
3: Florida, summer heat lasts until about mid February.
4: Yes. And then it's gone for a week and then it's back. Uh, (laughs) I've been there the week that it's gone Uh, you don't want to camp during that week. It gets real cold, but, uh, you know, if we were going to Disney, which is a a mighty high, you know, budget point already, he would probably find it worth it. If we could afford it to pay that extra $15 a day so that he has a better experience because he can afford it. Right. You know, um, and and so on the one hand i want him to have a better experience i want lines to get better for everybody but it certainly does and and this is going to kind of be our theme of of this segment it makes everything else it makes it for for the person who maybe is saving for 2 years to go to disney it makes it less attainable for them you know right. it it makes it not feasible for your average
3: Joe. No, it might mean that they say for two years, they go to Disney and they can't ride the rides that they were most looking forward to Mm -hmm. because other people like annual pass holder and DVC members like yours, truly I'm both of those things. I am the problem. Uh, People like me might be going in and jumping ahead of the line. And then you've got this person who's been, you know, waiting for this opportunity for a couple of years, maybe like, they're bringing their kids for the first time and they really want the special Mm -hmm. experience. It does hit me. Like I'm like, I'm like, I I feel extremely conflicted about it because I can, I'm in a stage in my life where I can afford to do the upcharge thing. I, we don't know how much the extra charge will be for those premium attractions. Disney has said that that'll be variable pricing. It'll be, it'll vary upon availability and demand. So for like Mm -hmm. days where there's a real heavy demand for say rise of the resistance, it's probably going to cost more to get that premium lightning pass. Um yeah. Same for the but Seven I mean, Dwarfs Mine Train. Probably uh well I'm sure the Guardians of the Galaxy ride written. will be that when it opens. Tron Light yeah, Cycle I, when that opens.
4: Oh, uh, all those rides that I want to I want to ride and I usually can only go for a couple of days at a time just because of my schedule and mm-hmm. the more expensive it gets, the less plausible it makes it for a short trip. Like I can I can justify that expense over five days if I'm going for five days. But since I'm usually going with just a couple of friends by myself, it's usually just a couple day trip and that it gets it gets harder the short amount of time you're there to justify that
3: cost. And I mean, we're like we're like eight hours away from Orlando, right, by Mm -hmm. car. Um, for folks who are even further away who have to fly or whatever, obviously it gets to be an even bigger financial burden. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mention we, neither of us mentioned that for that premium ride experience, you are limited to two of those per day. So that at least is one limiting factor where you don't have to worry about everybody just eating up all the premium passes across all the parks, you know, because Mm -hmm. they've got like 10 of them or whatever. They're limited to two per day. So that's one thing that helps limit this a little bit. However, we have some other complicating factors, one of those being the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser Hotel experience that's opening up. We talked about it a bit. Two day, two night experience, immersive Star Wars experience. You are encouraged to take part in an ongoing story that unfolds during your stay. You can pick one of several different roles to kind of play as you do it. Well, part of that experience includes a trip to Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios. Presumably, part of that experience also means that you are not having to stand in line for Smuggler's Mm -hmm. Run and Rise of the Resistance because you are able to ride both of those rides as part of this experience. That means that not only if you're going to Hollywood Studios, do you have to contend with the people who are using Genie Plus for Smuggler's Run or the Lightning Lane for Rise of the Resistance, you also have all those guests from Star Wars Galactic Cruise that are ahead of you as well. And that mm-hmm. starts to pile up.
4: Well, but, you know, Galactics, it, it will pile up. Maybe maybe the park genie will help organize that mess so that it, it'll cut down on the like the bottlenecking of what everybody wants to do at any given time. It'll maybe it'll help. Um, encourage crowds to disperse over a, a more steady stream as opposed to large crowds um, but that you know that being said there are not a huge number of rooms yeah,
3: it's, uh, in I the think Galactic it's one, Star cruiser I think, think it's just 100 total so yeah, that's, and, that's potentially 100 parties if they all go on the same day we don't know yet if they're going to stagger uh, that where it'll be, that like could 51, be like 51 and 50 another that
4: could be like 400 people
3: yeah. And uh, I guess you could or take more. S- yeah, because you could have like tons of people in some of these cabins. But like if you um, uh, if you want to feel a little better about it, at least you'll know that the people who are doing that paid out the wazoo in order to do it, because we learned what the pricing is going to be for the basic standard cabin aboard the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser, which is that if it's two people, this is one of those things where on a per person basis, the amount goes down, the more people are there. But mm-hmm. the total obviously goes up because you're talking about more people. So for two people, for that two night experience, you're looking at one thousand two hundred nine dollars per person, per night. So ultimately, collectively, that's four thousand eight hundred nine dollars, almost five mm-hmm. grand for two people to stay there. Now, granted, meals are included with that. The as two, is
4: including alcoholic beverages, if you're an adult and you drink.
3: I don't know that I don't know that all your alcoholic beverages. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say (laughs) one alcoholic beverage and then uh, and also uh, the entrance to Hollywood Studios for the Galactic Mm -hmm. Galaxy's Edge part Uh, and
4: uh dinner gratuity. So that's. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't tend to drop five hundred dollars gratuity at my Disney dinners, but I mean, if it if, if you're like Mr. Moneybags and or Ms. Moneybags or them Moneybags, then maybe you do. Uh, obviously, more people who go and stay in a cabin, it the the price per person goes down. So if there are four guests in a cabin, which Disney indicates would be three adults plus one child, it would be seven hundred forty nine dollars per guest per night. So collectively, you're looking at just under six thousand uh, dollars, but per person, mm-hmm. the price has come down. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, w- wicked expensive.
4: I, again, I'm 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 torn on this as well because obviously, you're going to have a lot of people who have to be in character and performing for you, even if they're front desk staff. Uh, we know that they do this on Avengers Campus and Disneyland, and also at Galaxy's Edge. All of the park staff are essentially performers or Mm -hmm. should be are expected to be. So you're on all the time while you're working there, you know, and I want them to be paid. I want them to be paid for that, you know, but yeah, uh, so there is a, there is a high cost I'm sure of operation, but it's.
3: I I have a feeling that Disney's revenue streams could easily cover this without. The prices Probably. of the hotel itself being, I mean, granted, you, if you're saying Probably. we want the hotel to be able to cover the cost of the operation of the hotel plus ad profit, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a company that almost completely dominates every aspect of media right now. So yeah, it's hard to, <laughs> I mean, granted, it's built in different divisions. The, the parks division is a different division from the motion picture division, which is different from yeah. the animation division, et cetera. But still, um, so there's that. Then there's also annual passes are making a return. They were gone uh, once COVID hit and the park shut down. If you did not have an annual pass, you could not purchase one. Um, I happened to have one, so I was able to renew mine. Uh, But now the annual passes are coming back in a slightly different form. There are. I think four levels of annual pass now. I think so. Yeah, but only the last only the last one is available to people who are not Florida residents and are not part of the Disney Vacation Club, and that's the most expensive one, which is like a thousand mm-hmm. two hundred fifty dollars or something like that. Something like that.
4: Yeah, it's.
3: Uh, well, no know. longer no longer includes the photo pass either. The old the old annual passes did. Yeah. So you got. You automatically got all the pictures that, that the Disney's photographers are taking. That was part of your package. Now it's an add on. So now you have to spend an extra hundred bucks if you want to add it on.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think they just don't want people to get annual passes is really what it is. Um, and, and I mean, at like that
3: point, and I can get that for certain places like Disneyland. One of the biggest issues that they've run into there is that the park can get overrun by annual pass holders and annual pass holders Uh, I mean, they're spending a lot of money to get those annual passes, but they don't tend to spend a lot of money on stuff like food and merchandise, whereas like people who are visiting for the first time or tourists, they spend a lot more money. So Disney does prefer (laughs) there to be more like day of ticket holders as opposed to annual pass members.
4: I mean, I wish that all of these increases in costs would help cover and make the non-annual pass holder visit a little bit less expensive potentially because you know if I pay less Mm -hmm. to get into the park I will buy more food I will buy more merchandise you know I'll I'll get higher on those ticket items though another thing you mentioned and we're just going to touch on this briefly (laughs) because we could talk about this for probably like 12 hours. Um, you know one of the things that I really enjoy at Disney and I this is something that's new as an adult is I love the entertainment. At Disney Mm -hmm. and and how you can run into it in many places. Well, you can't do that as much anymore. They cut a lot of their entertainment, at least their street entertainment. I don't know about stage. Um, When COVID happened and, you know, there are people who are saying that maybe they just wanted to get rid of them anyhow. Um, I don't have insight into that very much. But I do note that there was a difference between being like Streets of America cast versus a face character. And that was a pretty big difference. So. Well,
3: let me put it to you this way. Before pandemic, uh, the, the Disney World Parks employed around 780 equity members. Mm-hmm. After pandemic, they let go of 720 of them. So wow. only 60 out of 780 Remained, and that was as of October of last year. And so, there, Ariel and I feel very strongly about this because we have had uh, parallel experiences in a in a different live entertainment uh, world. But we've also seen issues with the difference between the way uh, a a a park's cast contributes to the experience versus how management values that cast. Um, and this, this is unfortunately another example of a large corporate entity seemingly viewing entertainment, which is an enhancement as not that important. And from like a, from like a, a a pencil pusher approach, you could kind of see like, okay, they don't directly contribute to the bottom line, right? You're Mm -hmm. not generating revenue by entertaining people in the streets, like on main street. But from a guest perspective, that adds such a level of depth and, you know, magic is the way Disney would describe it, like magic Mm -hmm. to your visit that to lose that is really unfortunate because I, I think a lot of Disney fans have said this collection of different announcements that have all hit right around the same time feels like a diminished magical experience overall. And that's unfortunate because I mean, that's what Disney's brand is built upon. Even just from a a hard hearted business perspective, you're like, you're undermining your own brand.
4: I mean, maybe, maybe we'll see that these changes make a better park experience for everybody. Um, I hope that they bring the entertainment back, you know, it's hard because I am very, very biased being a having been a street performer performer at an entertainment, at least partially venue. You know, you you've said we're we're both biased to this because we work at the Renaissance Festival. That is that is very magical for me. I don't know how much everybody appreciates that sort of interaction at a park. So maybe we are the outliers in that. Yeah, it could be. I do hope post pandemic they're able to bring back some of the street cast.
3: Me me too. And and like same thing with some of the other shows and stuff like things that have been uh, curtailed because of it. I would love to see that all phased back in. I think I mean, just based upon the way Disney handled this over the course of the pandemic that the Disney parks handled this, I should really be more specific because the company is so big. That uh, they burned a lot of bridges, I think, with a lot Mm. of cast members um, who genuinely loved what they did up until the point where it felt like it wasn't reciprocated. Um, That's unfortunate. Maybe I'm projecting too much. I hope I am. I would love to see a return to that form. Honestly, I think that the park, the parks in, in Orlando really need to focus on that. I mean, we've got the Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary right around the corner. And it would be yeah. a real shame if live entertainment and like an energetic cast were not part of that celebration.
4: I mean, I agree. I, I, I do think part of it will just depend on health and safety as well, because well, while I've never had a street character outside of like a costume character during a photo experience, get all up in my business at Disney. Um, like you know, there, you do have crowding issues. You do have spacing issues still currently. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. I never went to the Georgia Renaissance Festival as a kid because it was pay to get in and then pay for everything you do. Um, and so that kind of, you know, and I didn't make a lot, I didn't have a lot of money, um, at that time. So that kind of mentality has stuck with me throughout life. And I love Disney parks and i Don't want to get hit by that same door, I guess. Yeah. Well, I want to be able to continue going.
3: My biggest hope is that this regular genie, not the genie plus, but the regular genie part of the app helps folks plan out their day, make last minute changes and Mm -hmm. be able to adapt to whatever's going on in the parks and still have a magical experience and not have to feel like you have to do the pay to win strategy, like the same thing that people who play video games absolutely hate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're, we need to uh, take another break. This going to be this is a long episode. We're going to take another break. And then when we come back, we're going to mash up some stuff, uh, some that we've already talked about. And one thing we haven't talked about yet. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: All right, we're back. So our mashup this week, uh, just going to keep that, that trainer rolling. Choo-choo, uh, choo,
5: baby.
4: Is that a, I'm, it's a phrase now if it wasn't before. Um, <laughs> so we're going to mash up Star Wars because we've talked about that a bit with the Star Cruiser. Cause I, I mean, I still want to go, everything aside. If I have a windfall, that has some extra money after I do all of my I donation mean, plans. I mean, it's like more
3: that. expensive. Than an actual Disney cruise, which okay. is already expensive. No, I'm not saying don't go. I'm saying I wanted to go too. I still want to go too, despite all the things I just said. I still want to go too. It's it just so blows expensive. my mind that it's more yeah. expensive than an actual like four day Disney cruise. Disney cruise.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so a lot. So we're going to do Star Wars. Um, and then uh, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to mash that up with Wonder Years. Yeah. I'm making good sentences now, people. Um, Yeah. So so we're mashing Star Wars up with wonder years. (laughs) Let's,
3: let's talk really quickly about the original wonder years. And then you can talk a little bit about the trailer that was released for the new version of wonder years. So the, uh, the original wonder years series was this series where you're learning about a boy named Kevin who grew up in the late 1960s and early 1970s. And the, Daniel Stern uh, served as the narrator. You never really you never saw him. He was narrating the piece. And Fred Savage played young Kevin. And it was a setup for things like kind of a coming of age tale of growing up Mm -hmm. in the suburbs in the late 60s. And during this tumultuous time in America's history where you've got, you know, the the peace and love movement, the anti-war movement, you know, it was a big, big time during America's history so it's kind of told through the lens of a young boy who is coming of age Uh, and it was you know kind of a drama but mostly like it was a drama with comedic tones as well there's a lot of comedy Mm -hmm. in it Um, and a lot of people have really warm feelings for it and of course we're getting a reboot a totally reimagining of the series so Ariel talk a little bit about the uh, the teaser
4: Yes, so they they came out with a teaser, and then they came out with an actual trailer recently um, for this show. This time it will be – it's still focusing on a family in the late 60s, but it's a ba- black family in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, Kevin still likes uh, – the the kid still likes uh, baseball. The trailer hits all – obviously they deal with issues like integration and things like that. Mm-hmm. That we're still dealing with today, but we're definitely an issue in the late 60s. Um, but the tone of the trailer absolutely hits every warm feeling I have about the original show, like every sort of beat, um, whilst not feeling like a complete just rehash of the same old material. Um, Dule Hill is the dad is amazing and so funny in the little moments he has in the trailer. Like, I don't know. I watched this trailer and I just, I, this show cannot come out soon enough for me. Uh, I, I highly suggest if you liked the original wonder years, even if you didn't, you should watch this trailer. I, I feel like I, I don't know because I haven't seen more than the trailer, but I feel like this sitcom hits, hits a place where I haven't seen modern sitcoms hit in a while Mm -hmm. of, of just actual heartfelt and fun and, you know, there are a few of them out there, but um,
3: yeah, I'm just super excited about it. So with that in mind, we have decided to mash up Star Wars and The Wonder Years. Now, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I, I stuck with uh, more like the the original run of The Wonder Years because that's what I'm familiar mm-hmm. with. I haven't obviously seen the new one yet, um, but I went with the old one and uh, uh, I'm going to go second. So, uh, Ariel, do you want to introduce us to your your genius work of mashup?
4: Sure. So this is the Wonder Star Years War, Uh, because that's the title. Kevin Arnold loved everything about baseball, just like any other stereotypical boy his age in the 60s. But he wasn't very good at it. So when he went to try out for the baseball team with his friend Paul, instead of hitting the ball when it was his turn at bat, he got clocked in the head with the pitch and knocked out. When Kevin came to, he had no idea where he was, but it certainly wasn't a baseball field or even his home. He was inside a largish, whitish metal room with whirring, rushing sounds all around him. But more pressing than that was the large, hairy bear dog creature standing over him and staring at him. "Ah!" Kevin cried. Cried the bear dog creature. After an appropriately funny amount of time of the two screaming back and forth, a hand reached down and helped Kevin up. The hand belonged to a weird-looking pirate dude who said, this is no time to be sleeping, kid. You're the one who wanted to save the princess in the first place and we're almost there. Follow me. Kevin followed the weird pirate guy, who he found out was named Han Solo, until they reached a room with a window. And that's when Kevin found out he was in space, on a spaceship, like in space. After pinching himself real hard and not waking up, he, is, he was told to strap in and help maneuver the spaceship until they reached the Death Star, and Kevin began to protest that he didn't know how to fly this spaceship machine. He isn't even allowed to drive a car, but as soon as his hands touched the controls, he innately knew how to pilot the spaceship. When they came upon the Death Star, it's, it was immense and breathtaking. He asked Han Solo to remind him of their plan and purpose. Because, like, he knew, but he just wanted to be reminded. And after an all-too-brief rundown, followed by the phrase, Ah, we'll wing it, kid. They entered the Death Star to steal some Stormtrooper armor and save the princess. When they found the princess, to Kevin's surprise, she looked exactly like Gwendolyn Cooper, the girl he had had a crush on. But when he shouted, Winnie, it's so good to see you, she screamed, Don't Winnie at me! I'm not some Equus! I'm a princess! (laughs) Uh, They do save her. And after many mishaps and craziness, they escape the Death Star. And this marked the beginning of Kevin's adventures with Han Solo, the princess, the dog bear creature, which he learned was a creature called a Wookiee, who you didn't want to get mad, fighting the wars and stars, escaping space monsters and piloting X-Wings. Apparently in a galaxy long ago and far away, you don't need learner's permits. And falling more in love with Winnie, I I mean the princess. This is until one day when he encountered the main evil himself, Darth Vader. It was a tense situation, and just as Darth Vader revealed that he was Kevin's father, Kevin did think that voice sounded familiar, Kevin blacked out. When he woke up, he was laying in his bed with his brother Wayne standing over him. Ah! Kevin screamed. Ah! Wayne screamed. And after an appropriately funny amount of time of the two screaming (laughs) back and forth, Kevin's mom came in and he told her his whole story. She told him it was all a dream... And he had nothing to worry about, but Kevin insisted it wasn't. Wayne later had Kevin recite the story to his friend George because he found it to be like a total gas. And George said, man, that's lame. And Kevin believed George until years later when Star Wars came out. And, well, that is a story for another time.
3: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you. Totally different from mine. So uh, before we get to mine, because our episode is running long, we're going to take another break. But before I get to that, I've got late breaking news. Ooh! you ready? Yes. We now know who's going to play the character of Will in the reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Who is it? Jabari Banks. Jabari Banks, who is a newcomer, will be playing Will. Uh, You know where he lives? West Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, born and raised. raised. Yeah. And apparently Will Smith was the one to call him up and tell him he got the part. How cool is that? That's awesome. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, me too. I was like, wow, that sounds great. Like what a neat way of uh, of tying it in with the original series. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I will give my epic mashup. We'll have to, I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, history will judge me probably more harshly than I already do. We're going to be right back.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
5: Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's p-a-c-a-s-o dot
1: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future.
3: Okay, we're back, and uh, and here we go. Um, I feel pretty good about this one. I think it's a, it's a short one. It's nice and succinct. You know, I I really I had a lot of deep feelings, but because uh, the Wonder Years really brings that out of me, and so does Star Wars. But I think I think I was able to rein it in. So, welcome to the Wonder Wars. Young Luke Skywalker has a problem. He wants to go to Toshi Station and pick up some power converters. But before he can do that, we get his opening narration, spoken by a much older Luke Skywalker. 0 BBY. I was 19 years old. A lot happened that year. I met R2-D2 and his pain-in-the-butt sidekick C-3PO. I found out Darth Vader totally killed my dad. And the Rebel Alliance mounted its major assault on the Galactic Empire. And I began my journey toward becoming a Jedi Master. But we'll get to that. Then we cut to the theme song. What would you do if I stepped in doo? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ship and I'll go to Alderaan with my best bud Kenobi. Oh, baby, I gotta have a little help from old Ben. Yeah, you know I need have a little help. From Old Ben, he's got my dad's saber. You yeah. have a little help from Old Ben. Whoa! whoa, whoa. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, I uh, mean the theme song's over. Uh, out of the theme song, we then see a montage of big events that happened in the year zero B.B.Y., which, by the way, that that stands for before the Battle of Yavin. And yeah, you know, I looked around for some other kind of dating system because of course no one in the year zero BBY would have called it the year zero because what the heck were they counting down to before that? I mean, it makes no sense, but I couldn't find that. So forget all about that. Anyway, we go to old Luke's narration. There's no pretty way to put this. I grew up on a moisture farm. I suppose most people think of that as a place filled with blue milk and evaporators and they'd be half right. We had plenty of blue milk But our evaporators had been going on the fritz for a while, and we really needed someone to help us figure them out. And by us, I mean me, and my Uncle Owen, and my Aunt Baru, who had raised me since I was a baby. But really, those were the wonder years for those of us in the Outer Rim, beyond the Galactic Empire's long reach, before the War of the Stars. You know, sort of a star conflict, or maybe star battles. I don't know what you'd call it. But on reflection, it was a good way to grow up. The montage crossfades into footage of Luke riding his land speeder up to a little dome house and old Luke says, there, that's me, Luke Skywalker, age 19, zero BBY, the year I'd finally leave Tatooine. Now we cut and it's like, essentially Star Wars Episode Four, only Luke has his best friend named Paul who's waiting at Toshi Station for like, five movies before he finds out Luke totally became one with the Force through some sort of weird death-by-meditation thing, so that's sad. But we get lots of era-appropriate music, like the Moss Eisley Cantina song. Over and over again, because between that and Jedi Rocks, I'm gonna go Moss Eisley every time, and there's not nearly enough diegetic music in the Star Wars cinematic universe. Oh, and we also see Luke develop a crush on this girl named Winnie, only it turns out she's his other sister like Leia and Luke have a sister named Winnie, and no one is really sure how that happened, but it's okay because explanations in the Star Wars universe all change based on, as Kenobi would say, your certain point of view. Not that I'm bitter about a lack of consistency in Star Wars lore that is rife with revisionism and retconning. No, I'm totally cool with that. It's awesome. So yeah, Winnie is in this too, okay, and she's Luke's sister too, because why not? Heck, it turns out she is Rey's mom, and the whole, you're the for his granddaughter thing is a red herring because, you know, we get a lot of those too in the Star Wars universe. And you know what? I am mad. I am mad about Star Wars. Yeah, I'm a grown man who is mad about a fantasy series about magicians with magic swords that it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And sure, that's not the purpose of this mashup, but I'm on my soapbox now and I ain't getting off of it. And another thing, let's talk about that whole subvert the audience's expectations thing.
4: Okay, well, that's going to do it for our episode this week. If you've got ideas of how Wonder Years and uh, Star Wars should be mashed up, you should write us. You can do so at lnc at iheartmedia.com or reach out to us on social media. lnc underscore podcast is Twitter, where Jonathan can't rant this long at you. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are large John collider. Uh, we would really love to hear from you about topics you want us to talk about, Hopefully, again, not to make Jonathan rant like this or um, ideas you have or thoughts you have on the things we've talked about already. If you like us, please tell your friends, please subscribe, hit that like button and share us. Uh, We love you all for listening and we hope you love us too. Until next time, I am Ariel Caston, and
3: nineteen years. he's been Jonathan Strickland. Well, I'll tell you why. Because in episode three, Jedi were still relatively plentiful and scattered across the galaxy. Everyone knew who they were. People feared and respected them. But then you get to episode four and Han Solo talks about the Force being some sort of hokey religion as if Jedi were never really powerful entities or just the stuff of legend. But the Jedi being a powerful presence are within the living memory of Han Solo, who is clearly more than 19 years old. Like, he doesn't believe something that categorically existed in his universe less than 20 years earlier? I mean, I get that it's magic, but his best friend is an 8-foot-tall teddy bear for goodness sake. So yeah, the timelines don't work. There needed to be a bigger gap between the extinction of the Jedi and Episode 4, but it's less than 20 years, and it makes no sense. And don't get me started on how dumb the Clone Wars were, my goodness. When we got that throwaway line back in the late 1970s, we all thought it was gonna be the coolest thing ever. But it's not, it's lame. Anyway, let's get back to how everything after Return of the Jedi was a terrible mistake. Okay, well not everything. I mean, I actually kinda liked Rey a lot, and Finn, but What's his face, you know, Mr. Hot X-Wing pilot guy played by the dude who did that wicked dance in Ex Machina, he was pretty cool. But pretty much everything else was terrible. I mean, how terrible? Well, I've only seen episode three once because I hated it. And I still haven't seen episode nine, which is crazy. I mean, if you had told 10-year-old me that one day the conclusion of the Skywalker saga would come out and I wouldn't even go see it, I'd have thought you were nuts. But here we are. The end.
2: Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
5: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
0: Are you still searching for your
3: perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end.